official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos, twisted mental life forbidden. Peace to the public and power to the people. What up? It's Love Day. Unofficially, I'm showing love today on Pod, all right? And this is the space where the vulnerable are powerful and where the most gangster thing you could do is serve the All The Way Live podcast. Every single week, except last week, <laughs> me and my brother Miles <laughs> dedicate ourselves to come here to give you all that carefully curated content for Ukrainian. I'm I'm almost to the point that I think we, we shouldn't even call this a podcast because it is so much more, man. It is so much more than just a podcast. This right here is an intentional space of information, of creativity, of impact. We do this weekly and we do it for the purpose of being a space where people can come feel re-energized, you know, get that good positive energy to go about their day, to to tackle whatever challenges is happening. I know times is tough. You we're all working hard. I see it on you. You working hard as hell too. Man, you see it on me. It done took all the color from our wardrobes. We came blacked out. Didn't have time to pick out no colors. No fly stuff. Shout out to the YouTube audience, man. We we are we are your humble servants. We are honored to be in this space to join you in conversation. I love what my brother said. You heard it here first. This is just all the way live. We drop in the podcast because it's more than that. You feel me? Um, but this space means so much to me, and it means so much to me to be joined by my brother, who is the reason that Exeter is in the building, uh, the reason that Johannesburg, Josie, is always in the building, South Africa is in the building, uh, and who brings the perspective to this podcast of uh, of an international uh a world traveler so i i just always appreciate you being here with us uh can't can't leave out my boy hassan shout out to the producer on the boards another big reason exeter is in the building and on this side you know what's going on chicago is in the building this podcast is recorded on stolen land this land was cared for by the Potawatomi people the council of the three fires and as a somebody who belongs to chicago as somebody who cares deeply for this space and what happens to this space it's important to remember what happened in this space uh, to acknowledge this land that we are on to acknowledge what it means to be here to work here to live here to grow here to love here uh, and that's how we lift up love for indigenous people the world over we lift up love between black and brown people the world over and that's how you know the intro's over let's get into the show yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? Like my brother Miles has said, this over here is more than just a place where we come and talk. This is a place of activism. This is a place of being able to make sure we highlight people that are out there doing that dope creative work, that dope impact work. And this week ain't no different. Miles is a community organizer and an activist. I myself like to consider myself the same thing too. And we dedicate our life to being able to help the communities that we serve to the people within those communities and highlighting people that are doing the same thing in a super dope way. This week, we're bringing to y'all the Goody Room. The Goody Room, man. The Goody Room is some super dope collective of um, artists, DJs, specifically from the UK. My brother George, my brother Rory, my brother Ollie. Super dope dudes who, over COVID, came up with this super dope concept 
on being able to showcase a lot of the pe- a lot of their DJ talents and the people within their DJing community. And this is what they've been able to pull together. It's one of the reasons why I think this is so dope is because when you see very much like how we start a lot of our things, it's just best friends hanging out together, deciding that, yo, this is some super dope stuff that I'd like to be able to do and then watch it take off organically. So uh, shout out to all the three boys at the Goody Room, man. What y'all doing for your cities, what you guys are doing for your community, what you guys are doing for your talent is uh, nothing short of inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you told me there was a dope collective that I needed to check out, uh, I was like, dope, I'm all in. And then you said like the Goody Room. And I was like, I've been knowing about Goody Mob for years. You're not putting me on anything new. But when I actually dove into what this actually is, um, a lot of it resonated me with me, right? Uh, especially, as you pointed out, the the tangible um, friendship, you know, the, the camaraderie that's a part of the, the collective, the vibe, the music, of course, you know, uh, you especially, but maybe the audience don't know that I'm I'm in baby DJ mode. I'm slowly gathering my my musical collection and, and stashing away a little bit of cash for some equipment um, because I love music. Uh, I get captured in it, carried away by it. So uh, I love spinning records when I get the opportunity. Uh, I think our producer dabbles a little bit, too. So there's a lot here that I think... Um, resonated with us as a as a production team and as a show and it's amazing to be able to big up the fam to big up the people who who are giving us life with their art uh so in the ways that you know we hope people appreciate our show and what we bring in terms of art and and music uh it's also dope to be able to to point out the goody the goody room almost at the goody mob again the goody room uh as another space to to go and check out so we ain't selfish with it you know Every single person that's under this voice right now, go check them out as well. You know what I mean? We're building collectives over here. And you saying Goody Mob is not too far removed from the type of music that I keep getting blessed every time I'm in their presence. I'm getting super incredible hip-hop, man. These boys have such a deep knowledge of uh, deep knowledge of, of music all the way from uh, from Zeppelin all the way to Goody Mob, you know, and everything that's within that spectrum. Um, if anything else, man, I think it's super important to be able to show what it looks like when folks just take that first step in saying, Let, let's just do something because we love it. Forget what, forget the difficulty it might be, but doing something out of the love of your heart and seeing where that goes. Um, a similar initiative that Mia Miles has started has now gone on to feed 10 million mouths through the Mandula Foundation, spurring from that same sort of instinct of being able to be like, yo, we're best friends. We bond over this uh, the same passion. Let's just put something together and see what happens. And now these boys have thousands of followers on their Instagram page. Like my boy Miles said, go check them out. Um, do I count as a DJ if all I make is sex playlists on Apple Music? Uh, you you count as a curator for sure. You're definitely a content definitely. curator. Uh, that's what they call the folks that make the Spotify playlists, right? In the Apple Music joints, right? So I would I would put you in that category. Uh, I I hesitate to even I had to clarify myself as baby DJ mode because there's a lot of elements to DJing, beat matching, uh, transitions, right? Like knowing the BPMs of all your music and and looping them in and out. Uh, so there's before I think we got to get you some equipment too before we can truly call ourselves DJs. Um, 
but it's 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 really dope. And another thing that you said that really like just just struck a chord with me was that this collective formed over COVID. I think a lot of people had a little bit of extra time to explore their creative side during the pandemic. Um, and as we get back to our new normal, uh, it might be difficult. It might be hard to to reintegrate your regular nine to five with your other creative priorities. But I just want to encourage everybody out there to keep at it, you know, carve out that time, keep doing those creative pursuits that fulfilled you, that got you through the pandemic um, and prioritize that because I think it's I don't think it should only be during a worldwide crisis that people get to explore those parts of themselves. So hold on to that if you can. That's my two cents. A pandemic passion doesn't have to end as a pandemic passion. We we've tried to do the show a few times over the years and then actually started taking it seriously over the pandemic. And here we are, 84 episodes in, still rocking. Shout out to our SoundCloud family because that's where y'all are rocking with us the hardest. Shout out to our YouTube audience because y'all love that recommended and review portion that we have. But we give you more than just recommending and reviewing music. We also dive into the intellectual side of things. Yes, we give you the regular dude perspective on all the irregularities we're seeing in the news, trying to make sense of the headlines. Uh, and the last few weeks, it's been a lot of just being here to breathe, you know, being here to, to de-stress, to decompress, and to try and break down and process um, all, the, all the heaviness, all the weirdness, all the wildness that we're seeing all over the place. And for sure, we got some more of that for y'all today. Now this one, I've been watching closely, all right, for a couple of reasons. One, my shorty, my lady, somebody I care very deeply about, lives in the UK. So the reign of Boris Johnson has been uh, stressful, to say the least, right? I've also been paying quite a bit of attention uh, because Mr. Boris Johnson has been referred to as uh, Britain Trump, right? So as I try and navigate, as I try and understand how to respond to uh, an icon with political momentum that I think is carrying us in a very dangerous direction, it was really dope to have a comparable um, personality across the pond. So as the Brexit of Boris Johnson commences... Uh, I'm I'm all ears and all eyes. Zoe, what's your perspective on this joint? I I see what you did there with the Brexit of Boris. I see what you did there. That's how you know my brother definitely does research for this show. And to fill everybody in specifically, what we're speaking about is UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson um, has stepped down on July 7th following days of high-profile government resignations and calls from fellow Conservative Party members to quit. Johnson um, has been a rather... Um, he's been a conflicting figure within the UK, public within the UK office. Like Miles has said, um, there's been a lot of connections with him to Trump. Now, I, there's the obvious relatability to Trump. One, he's a white man. Two, he's got funny hair. Three, 
doesn't say the most intelligent things at times. So off of those three things, there is comparison. But, you know, I think it's a little bit deeper than just, you know, what the eye sees. Because even very much so like what we had. Damn. Look at, look at the picture our producer pulls out. <laughs> Hey, man, he's demonstrating what you pointed out, man. He's got some weird stuff going on with his hair, for sure. So even that element of it adds to a bit of the quirkiness that has essentially um, that has that has been very prevalent in his in his tenure within the UK. Right. And so following days, you just saw days of just the top levels of, of senior officials within um, his parliament stepping down, right, um, and, and quitting and some being fired as well in almost a very, uh, in almost a very epic, an epic implosion, um, finally leading to him to say, hey, I'm out, I'm out. And that's what's happening right now. I have a theory, my brother, Let me hear. which is that... Between the UK and you see what's happening in the US, granted all, a lot of places in the world right now are going through their own reckoning of sorts, but these particular countries, the US, the land in which the US is built on, like my brother says every week, the violence done to the people of that land is inseparable from the violence we see in the country today, in the city today. And that's exactly what's happening in the UK. The history of the UK is one of a very long line of uh, people being uh, taken advantage of, of theft, of uh, wars, of death. And seemingly, that does not exist when it comes to the history that is being taught to the people of the UK. Case in point, when you look at the last four, out of the last five uh, members of parliament within the, US, within the UK, over half of them have not made it to their final term. Wow. This speaks... Exactly. So this speaks more more than just a Boris Johnson issue. I think Boris Johnson characterizes a lot of what the UK hates to see within themselves. But I think it's a bit bigger issue. And I think it really is, man, that you can there's always going to be a counter effect to things that even happened maybe 50, 60, hundreds of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you connected that to the history. That's why it's so important to know that, to understand that. Uh these patterns right if we don't if we don't check out our history we're doomed to repeat it and i think that's why this moment is one that i'm studying right like nose to paper for sure because i think as you said there are definitely differences between these two people um boris johnson certainly has a different level of comfort among the upper echelon of of uk society than trump is trump's always been kind of the outlier kind of been looked at as the the outsider, even amongst um, the moneyed folks, right? So, but I think in a very similar way, they've shown how um, a government can melt down, right? When you have a leader at the helm who is wielding their power uh, without a certain level of thoughtfulness, without a certain level of um, respect for tradition or for political opponents or for the intelligence of the media or for the general will of the people. Um, and so when I look at what's happening here, I, I definitely like, I, I, I'm encouraged by the reaction of the other MPs, right? Like 60 of the ministers, like just people within his 
um, administration, from cabinet-level ministers to aides to assistants, uh, even a couple, uh, you know, just staff members just left because it shows that I don't, whether it's happening out of conscience or whether it's happening out of trying to maintain safe face to, uh, uh, as like Boris Johnson represents a, a sinking ship, there's a, there's a, there's a line there that I think is being recognized that I'm worried won't be recognized in the U.S. Um, and mainly the difference is because there's such a large base of average everyday voters that support Trump that aren't going to detach from him for a different political for a different political angle in the ways that some of the the ministers have detached from Boris Johnson. And so as I look at this, I I, I hope that we can see some type of swing back from from Trump in the way that hopefully we're seeing a swing back from Boris Johnson. But I think that there are some things that have been unlocked that can't be undone, specifically with um, the distrust sewn into into the media and any basis of checking facts. I think Trump has done a serious, serious number on our ability to have a conversation based around anything we agree about across the aisle politically. That distrust of media that you speak about is not just reserved to Americans. You know, the people in the UK also feel the same way too. And when you understand how the UK media in specific is how, how it's ran, how it's run by gov, by the Royal family and the tools that they use and the alliances that media houses have to govern the Royal family, a lot of things become evident, you know, even with Meghan Markle, we understood that, uh, the media had a, a very specific intention in how they were treating her. And, you know, she she fought against it and even sued even sued them. Even Johnny Depp is sued the media in the UK. Over 50% of the people in the UK say that they don't trust the media. I think the number is closer to 60%. So it does seem that the traditional methods of how we've been giving getting information, a la this media source, people are not necessarily trusting. And that's been something that has at times worked towards Boris Johnson's um, advantage, right? Being able to play off of the media. So this quirkiness that he presents um, almost came about as a breath of fresh air from Theresa May, who uh, was a predecessor, who was notoriously considered to be robotic, monotonous, and unfamiliar. Um, when asked what is her favorite pastime as a child, she said, oh, what's the most mischievous thing she's done as a child? She said running through a field that she wasn't allowed to, you know? And that is, is, is like, uh, I guess. And so when you see Boris Johnson come about the scene, you know, they're calling him Boris, Boris. And he was running on almost a similar narrative as Trump, where he was appealing to the forgotten areas of the UK, whereas um, it was whole the whole concept of saying, let's redistribute the wealth that's concentrated in London, and let's bring it out to, to the to the eastern parts and to the southern parts and the western parts of the UK. So you also came in riding on this. Um, came in riding on this. Um, let's let's get let's get back to how it's supposed to be. Energy specifically with this. Let's get Brexit done. Slogan. Slogans in politics, man. Slogans in politics. You cannot win without a good slogan. What was Hillary's slogan? Uh. I don't know, bro. Uh, exactly. I'm, I'm a female. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, female. Never had that before. You didn't see that. I don't know. 
<laughs> Try something new. It should have. That's what it should have been. <laughs> that's what it should have been. C- come on, y'all. Come on, come y'all. on, y'all. Ain't it time? Twenty twenty two. But um, no, nah, I really appreciate what you were saying because you really clarified. Like when I was when I was talking about the media, you really got to the heart of it with slogans, with uh, the charisma or lack thereof. Right? We're in this place now where it's not enough to be intelligent. It's not enough to be the best qualified candidate. And at least in the United States, the presidential election always was a popularity contest. But I, I feel like how important any of the other factors and sliders are is, is decreasing. Um, because if you can get people to shout your slogan, uh, you, you, you can get them to vote for you. Uh, and I don't know if any of the entities, the media, um, like publishing, anything is, is stepping in to verify or create some type of concrete metric. Um, so, yeah, I guess we have to work not only at being fiercely articulate and being able to explain why we disagree, but also we got to step our swag up. You know what I'm saying? Be be likable, be votable for. Um, and in some ways, it's, it's, it's hard for me to admit that we got to do some of those more superficial things or to focus on them. Um, I will, uh, yeah, chime in real quick, and then I just want to get to some of the specific things that led to Boris's downfall. Um, and and that's exactly where I'm moving towards too, right? I think the the Brits at the moment are upset and they they are embarrassed, but you know something that's very difficult um, to accept, which the Americans also had a difficulty accepting is the fact that your leaders are representative of your general of your general public. Your leaders represent you. That is that that is a, a fact, right? So even if you see uh, Boris Johnson stepping in, he had one of the highest um, he had one of the highest votes going into his presidency three years ago, right into his leadership role. So even then. Um, from the outside looking in, it might look ridiculous and it might look like he is this very brash, um, very pseudo-racist man who's just riding off of privilege with reckless abandonment and to which I say, all of y'all are. (laughs) I'm here. I see it. (laughs) This is you. (laughs) So he's a reflection of folks that live in the UK. Is what you're saying? Except for Hassan, I would uh, produce him. You, 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 Jersey <laughs> boy, come on. No, but like the, the general populace, right? And something interesting that I found while being here and engaging with people and just having open conversation is that the history of the UK is recklessly discarded, bro. Like there, there is no, there's no appreciation of the fact that Britain stole $45 trillion from India over a span of 50 years and then left to separate the country uh, in, in civil war over in, in a plan that was, that was drafted over a lunch break. The lawyer that split India did so over a lunch break. A country of over a billion people was recklessly spit over a lunch break, right? So that is the history of Britain. And even when they had left, the the thing that they the thing that they that they uphold as listen, how how could you say we did wrong? We brought these guys tea and the trains and trains. Yeah. But that being said, when Civil War broke out in uh India after the UK left, those train stations were areas of mass, mass murders. 
So, $45 trillion is what we're speaking about, right? And this is just the UK. Same thing in number in Nigeria. Same thing in Africa. Same thing in, in, the, in the islands. And this has happened throughout, right? So... That history is not appreciated by by Brits, right? And they get to walk around, they get to live in a reality where that is not affecting them at all. But bro, there's dark skinned people in India now who can't even shake hands with some people because of how carelessly those lines were split. Man, uh, yo, I love hearing my brother get into the colonial roots of our of our current issues, man. It's it's deep for real. All the way and- colonial. <laughs> Yo. All right, now one podcast name change per episode. For sure. New cannot, rule. Yeah, we can't become the AKA podcast, dude. <laughs> but it's it's interesting, like man, so yeah, that history has been repeated all over the world. Um that history continues to affect these countries that are trying to develop and overcome um, not only this history of violence, but this history of, of instability, of lack of in- infrastructure, of lack of investment. Uh, and so that's another great reason to compare what's happening in the UK to our current situation in the US. Um, and I, I definitely want to continue to do that as well. But in just a second, I just don't want to miss out on on some of the reasons, the things that led up to Boris's dismissal, right? So um, one of the one of the final uh, you know, the straws that broke the camel's back was my man, Chris Pincher. Uh, he was a conservative deputy chief whip. Uh, these names are ridiculous too, right? When we, <laughs> when we get rid of when we, <laughs> the chief whip, we got to change some of these names. But after, um, yeah, he, the, my, he was accused of, of groping two men. Uh, Boris Johnson was aware of this and still appointed the guy, Right. So if we're saying that our our leaders are a reflection of our society, then we have to look at what we're allowing to take place. Um, there's also he was a staunch defender of a of a conservative lawmaker who violated lobbying rules, which can speak to the ways in which our finances interact with our politics uh, and often ways that the people being represented don't get to see or have control over. He also speaking of funds in politics. He also used funds from a conservative party donor in the costly refurbishment of his Downing Street apartment. Uh, So there's greed here. um, There's corruption here. And I think when we look at the U.S. side of the aisle, there are very similar patterns and very similar issues going on. So again, if we talk about our leaders representing us, I feel you, bro. I feel you. We have to take a hard look at ourselves in the mirror, at our values, at uh, our engagement in the political process. But I also want to shout out that to galvanize people towards change, that in a lot of ways, our leaders don't represent us anymore. In a lot of ways, they still hold on to archaic values and traditions and systems that mean that even when the people's will is expressed, it doesn't get acted upon. I'm thinking specifically in the United States of restrictions on assault rifles, right? How many people have we've we've covered this story? How many people are saying that they support those restrictions versus the NRA's hold on um, any ability by lawmakers to to actually put in place something restrictive? Moving back to abortions as well, the vast majority of people in the United States think that abortions should be available at least in some cases, especially with regard to rape and incest. And yet we see states even in which 
people are expressing those wants repeal or or eliminate access to abortion. So it's a two-sided coin when you say our representatives reflect who we are as a people. They absolutely should. And if they don't, and if we feel they don't, and if we're seeing them do things that don't reflect our values, then that is our cue not only to vote, but to organize and educate ourselves and get involved. In the list of things that my brother has so poignantly described as the reasons for Boris Johnson's downfall, where it began, too, is the notorious party gate. Now, party gate is one of my absolute favorite uses of excuse from anybody that I've heard. So party gate, this is obviously during the middle of COVID. We've just watched the queen bury her late husband, and she's sitting there morose. <laughs> Shout out to our producer. She's sitting there morose, the queen, and all black, just riddled in grief. This was the this was this is where we were mid COVID. No one could even come and console the queen as she sits in this massive room looking at her recently deceased husband. On the other side of the UK, around a similar timeline. These guys are congregating together to party. In the same time, they're busy telling folks, stay in your houses. Uh, stay in your house. You know, the UK had, the uh, UK was one of the countries hardest hit economically from COVID. So there was a huge push for people to stay indoors. Yet the leader was out there partying. When confronted, whether he indeed went to this party and Boris Johnson gave one of my favorite excuses ever, he says, well, that's not fair. I don't know it was going to be a party. <laughs> I thought it was a work meeting. He didn't ask who all over there? <laughs> he, he, he pulled up. He said, I didn't know it was a party, was his excuse. And that is one of my favorite excuses. Yeah. Hey, man. Sometimes, you know, a kickback turns into a little function, turns into a little situation, <laughs> turns into a full-blown soiree. You know, into, it's into a sum sum. Into, 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 into a sum sum. After that, I believe the last line is kick back the sum sum. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes sometimes, man. So I feel them. I feel them. But yeah, and it's also crazy when people are listing your the reasons for your downfall and <laughs> have to be reminded. <laughs> like they leave stuff off the list. Oh yeah, yeah. He did that too. Oh yeah, party gate. <laughs> That's right. It's nuts, man. But my man is out of here. And so what happens now? Right. Uh, So this was interesting to me, too. Right. Going back to leaders representing the people. Boris Johnson was the conservative party leader because he resigned. There's not a new election. There's not new votes. Right. Uh, The country changes who the prime minister is without basically without a general election. Uh, Conservative lawmakers, basically those who have a lot of those folks who resigned now have the opportunity to throw their hat in the ring to be prime minister. Um, but those that are still there will choose the top candidates, and then the short lips goes to a wider membership of the Conservative Party, which is about 200,000 people uh, who pay a standard subscription of like 25 pounds, like 30 bucks a year to make the final choice. So the point that I explain that is, is that group of 200,000 people are not baseline involved, which means that they're not just filling out their taxes, right? They probably are voting in general elections and have taken on whatever the position this is, paying 30 bucks a month. I know not everybody can afford that, but it's an additional way of getting active, and now they're in position to make this decision. So that's just me prompting y'all to think about where are you getting your information from? What are the uh, 
the channels that you're tapped into that are connected to decision making and change in your local community and beyond uh, and how can you get a, p- a bigger piece of the pie um, Indeed. go ahead at the background of this, man, I think it's important to highlight the fact that there is a living cost crisis happening in the UK at the moment. We're seeing a lot of strikes from labor com- um, from uh, labor unions pulling up. We're seeing specifically the healthcare workers stepping in and um, really uh, making noise about uh, the inadequacy of their pays, the inability for their payment to be. Um, to be compensated correctly, much like what we had covered in our show prior, because we do that, man. We do that. So um, to those folks that are doing that, man, we we extend our support to y'all. Hold strong. Um, and yeah, man, it's dumb expensive to be in London at the moment. Oh, my God. It's dumb expensive to be anywhere. I wish I could be wherever it ain't expensive. <laughs> I wish, I'll go there. They got my vote. I'm moving there because... It's a, it's really, it's really real out here. Food is expensive, gas is expensive, um, and yeah, like I'm looking at my heat bill crazy because this, it's 95 degrees in Chicago. I got the AC cranking. Um, something got to give, but hold your head. We're gonna get through this. And uh, I love what you said too about about uh, getting involved, getting getting everybody excited, getting hype because we about to start a movement with this next segment too. <laughs> Yo, if you do not know, in the background of everything that is happening at the same time, uh, we've been watching closely and giving a close eye to the situation with uh, WNBA star Brittany Griner, who is currently incarcerated in Russia. She has pled guilty to possession of a controlled substance and is now potentially facing 10 years in prison. When we describe that story in that order, it almost seems like uh, the due justice taking its course. But the deeper we dive into the story, we understand that Brittany Griner is almost undoubtedly impro- um, un- unjustly, um, unjustly held at the moment. And the intentions of being able to keep her and what they're throwing on top of her is something that's not new. It's something that happens often to folks in uh, the U.S., to American folks who are traveling with Russia, especially when there's a political agenda attached to it. Don't get it wrong. Brittany Griner right now is being arrested in Russia for a political issue. Yo, I cannot say that enough. The star of women's basketball, the star, the star, LeBron James of women's basketball right now is in a prison in Russia for 02 grams of cbd oil and is not facing 10 years i love that you said gotta get it right so in the spirit of getting it right britney griner is a seven-time wnba all-star a two-time olympic gold medalist and the first openly gay athlete to sign an endorsement contract by nike so britney griner means a lot to a lot of people And that's particularly important in the context of this conversation because a lot of the voices um, in support of Britney are saying that if she was an NBA star, 
the reaction would be different. The story would have gotten more coverage and more would be done to secure her freedom, right? Um, like my brother said, she's one of the most dominant players in, in the WNBA, uh, especially on the offensive end of the court. And uh, this completely ties in, like it's so tied into that, to that issue of, of the NBA versus the WNBA and, and that gap in pay. Um, because the reason she was in Russia was that a lot of players fly overseas to play to supplement their income, right? So this is a very difficult situation that touches on a lot of topics. Um, and my, my number one thing off the top is, uh, you know, just love for Britney, support for Britney. Um, being locked up abroad is a terrible situation no matter where abroad happens to be. Um, and so, yeah, I really, I really feel for her. Um, as somebody who who enjoys traveling, uh, as somebody who you know will partake of a you know a, a variety of different vices from from time to time, um, this is hey, really. Hey, I'm sk- taking drugs. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. You know. <laughs> hey, living living my truth is what I'm doing. All right, but as I think about this, I'll be honest and say uh, and vulnerable and say. Uh, that you know, this is really this is really scary, right? Um, because this just shows what a government uh, that is—you don't even got to go all the way to corruption, but that has a that has a specific enge- agenda. Um, will go to the lens and how far they will inconvenience a person or put their safety in danger. So, like you said, man, it seems disproportionate to the amount of you know contraband that they found on a person. They hitting her with large scale drug trafficking for that amount of of, of oil, which seems overblown. Uh, and so these are some of the things, like you said, ten year prison sentence that really make this stand out as you know uh, a miscarriage of justice. Um. Yes. And the and the the, the quick conversation. <laughs> and I think we spelled grinder wrong there, Mr. Producer. I think. It's- I think, they, I think we must get either so by 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 uh uh od ot odc uh, what I my o t d my otp my pop will not allow me to move past it. I think it's right. I think he got it right actually. I think he got G-R-E-I-N-E-R? it right. G r e i n e r. Nah, I think it's g r i. But we can switch it up to uh, exclamation point instead of a question mark, though. You know what I'm saying? Hey y'all, um, this just it. Zwei is still an idiot. So with um. Specifically, when it comes to an apology, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Shout out our YouTube audience, man! Shout out our YouTube audience! Shout out our producer, man! He makes this show, he makes this show exactly what it is. Um, you are right. Uh, and with Brittany Griner, man, I think what's it, the quick conversation for us to be able to run to is to be able to say, "Hey, she's a black woman, and we don't care about black women, etc., etc., etc." That fact. That is not an incorrect fact, but it also is quite important to take the full totality of what is happening from a political perspective and incorporate that into in, into you know what what the situation is with Brittany Griner. This is not ASAP Rocky who's in Sweden. This is a very different situation from this. As we know, Russia right now is invading Ukraine and is in a full-out war. There are sanctions that are happening. There's a lot of political game that is happening right now. 
a great book if you want to really be able to understand the interworkings of how government espionage interwork in the background. It's a book called um, the 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 econo- the economic hitman. The economic hitman. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic book, and it speaks about some of these tactics that governments will employ, such as arresting somebody within um, arresting somebody at an airport, throwing false charges on them, and then using using them as a bargaining chip for other um, for other people that have been arrested. And such is the case with Brittany Griner. It's so hot, bro. I had to take my glasses off, bro. It is that hot in the UK <laughs> at the moment. It is every that layer. Hot. Every layer counts. Every, dude, I'm about to take this shirt off. And I want to show off these new eyebrows. You know what I'm saying? But um, New eyebrows said, is crazy, son. I know. But I just got them, too. What you think? <laughs> they, ain't they shapely? Yo, <laughs> they I don't shapely? even know what that means. Confessions of a Economic Hitman is the name of the book. Incredible book. Shout out our producer again. Who they're trying to swap Britney Griner out for is none other than the Merchant of Death. Bruh. <laughs> Let's see. Yo, again. The, go ahead. There's, there's nothing funny about this. But if I'm in prison in Russia and they're like, all right, man, look, they want to do a quick swap with you and somebody else. All right, cool. Mm. Who, who do they want to swap me out with? The merchant of death. What? Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> they never going to swap me for that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, this, uh, this is on the, it's, it would be hard to justify. It would, be, it would be hard to justify, you know. She didn't, and that's and that goes back to the amount of contraband that she was caught with. She wasn't kingpinging it, you know what I mean? She wasn't kingpinging it all the all the way to Russia. Uh, it's a very small, it's a very small amount of weed, and probably not worth uh, an international assassin. <laughs> but we're in this position where, like, I love that you brought the context of what's going on in Russia, right? Because she arrived a week before the invasion of Ukraine. So her detention very quickly became a political bargaining chip. And that's for everybody in the back. You know, if you was reading this story and you took it, like, just at face value, like, she had drugs, they don't like drugs, they hold her for drugs. It gets a little... Don't it get a little murky when they say, but, you know, you do have Victor, and if you were to let him go, (laughs) we might be able to free Britney. You know what I mean? It's, It's... Shady. So uh definitely dive into that to that uh economic hitman. Uh so close to home with the merchant of death thing. Like there's a theme here. There's a joke there. I'm trying to tie it together. Um I love that you brought in ASAP Rocky. Uh we can't just like Elon Musk, we can never get away from Trump too far, man. People are saying that uh using this as an opportunity to say that if Biden wasn't in office, if Trump was in office, he would have been able to get her back like he did with ASAP, uh, like he did with uh, the UCLA basketball team who was accused of um, uh, shoplifting, including the youngest uh, ball. Is it Leangelo? I think they caught Leangelo Ball over there trying to steal some sunglasses. Uh, Trump hollered at, the, <laughs> hollered at the people in China and got him back. ASAP, on the other hand, said Trump probably made it worse. So uh, he's very good at taking credit, if nothing else, and it's just a it's just a reminder, man, of how messy we are politically. What a situation like internationally, the stage is mad unstable, especially when you've got egomaniacal people in power like Putin or Trump or, or Boris Johnson. Um, so this story 
in so many ways just like really hit home with me and, and was a reminder of how much stuff is messed up and how quickly things can go left. Um, so be careful. Uh, be careful when you're traveling. Be careful with how you're moving. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what other points you wanted to make. I was going to give people a little PSA about uh, moving with weed because it's, <laughs> it's very, and, and again, it, you know it wasn't rules. weed. It was CBD oil. It was CBD oil. But please, Miles, share on our very public platform, how do you move drugs internationally? Yeah, small YU, small YU. How do you out there or anyone? Uh, <laughs> and it's not really, and I, and I don't want to give you a step-by-step guide on moving drugs internationally, but for anybody out there, I would like to just, especially for our U.S. listeners, right, where weed is becoming legal, right? And you might not be sure what you're allowed to do or how, or how you're allowed to move around with it. Um, first of all, you can't fly state to state, even between states where weed is legal in both states, because weed is still governed by federal law, which means that the interstate transportation of it is a crime in itself. So don't bring weed from one state to any other state. Don't do that. And don't say that you got your weed from another state because you can't do that. All right. That's rule number one. Rule number two. TSA's primary concern is not marijuana. You can go on the TSA website and they say that they do not look for dr- illegal drugs, period, right? But if that dog catch you or that machine catch you, they have to report it to law enforcement. So if you're moving through the airport, know that TSA, they're not, they not trying to catch you. But if you get caught and if you order that dog, if that dog, you know, bark at you, it's on you, it's on you. They have to report it to the police, and it's up to the police what they do. So you're going to end up dealing with the police anyway. It ain't going to be no, ah, you got to throw this away. Nah, they got to report it, right? You good, but it can go through. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? That's not how it goes, though. Uh, and then the last thing I'll add is that it don't matter if you have a medical marijuana license. The TSA finds the weed, they contact the police, they do not have any ability or any inclination to verify your medical, um, your license. So can't bring weed nowhere, can't bring it across state lines. Uh, And yeah, at the risk of (laughs) being accused of telling people how to move drugs across internationally, man, this podcast is about information. It's about um, people. And so people like weed, man, it's being legalized across the state. So if you just be safe with it. That's all I'm with. That's all I'm saying. Even CBD, uh, CBD oil, because that's what she was caught with is a CBD vape. So it wasn't even like the actual plant itself. It was just the oil. And that's what she's being charged with. So, again, listen, if you're traveling through Dubai and you're a person of color, they're going to get all up in that bag. OK, I'm telling you this as from my experience, there's some countries that you can travel through and maybe you might be able to hide a little some some, or maybe you've forgotten a little some some, and you can sneak it through. Listen, if you're going through the Dubai International Airport and you're a person of color, they're getting up in that bag. If you're going through Amsterdam, not Amsterdam Airport, if you're going through Frankfurt Airport, they're getting all up in that bag. If you're going through pretty much any place that might not like people of color, they're getting all up in that bag. And when I say all up in that bag, bro, I'm talking all up in that bag. So, um, move wisely, move carefully. Um, and yeah, man, stay informed. Big facts, big facts. You know, this is, um, really unfair, really unjust, really messed up what's happening to Brittany. But if we can take anything from it, take it as a teachable moment, uh, to that it's just not worth it, that you never know how far left the situation can go. Um, 
Zoe was pointing out a whole bunch of airports. I think the bottom line is you, you can't you can't take it with you internationally. Uh, here in the U.S., you can have CBD that has no more than 0.3% THC, um, but you got to decide, make your own decision about how comfortable you are moving around. <laughs> yeah, thumbs Boo. down, man. Boo. Boo. <laughs> but yeah, um, teachable moment, teachable moment, um, and free Britney Griner, y'all. I don't even like saying that's a teachable moment, but I do agree, free Britney Griner. It's definitely going to change the way I move through airports. It's summertime, so people are traveling and people are moving about. Please be safe, y'all. Please be safe. If you are traveling, please understand that um, there are rules and regulations in some places. Be knowledgeable of those things. And just get your drugs the old school way, man. Walk around, look for white folks with dreadlocks, ask them for some, and they're going to probably have it. You giving them gems. You you know a little something too. See, see, it ain't just me, yo. It ain't just me. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's that's some messy, some messy situation. Um, I had one more thing I wanted to say. Oh yeah, shout out to the WNBA, man. You know, I started this off by saying that a lot of people are saying that um, this would be handled differently if it was an NBA player, and maybe that's true. Um, and so I want to focus on the positivity of saying that. The WNBA is lit. Uh, actually, my my dad and my my grandma, no, my granddad and my mom just went to a Sky game. You know what I'm saying? WNBA champions, Chicago, you already know what it is. But uh, they had a really good time there. I was watching some WNBA over the July 4th weekend, uh, and I haven't been a watcher up until now. So that more media focused, the more that it's spoken about, the more that these names become household names, and the more that, you know, that pressure can be applied in a, in a real way. So if you are um, upset and you want to support Brittany, support the WNBA, keep following this story, uh, and that's how we're going to keep it moving. We'll keep you updated all the way live does this thing, man. Yeah. Man, we've had a couple weeks of uh, reviewing some some live house favorites, you know, um, from from K-Dot to, to Boogie, uh, and now Mr. Lyrical Miracle himself. Uh, my original favorite rapper, Lupe Fiasco, Drill Music in Zion. What you think? Lupe the Fiasco dot blogspot dot com. Yo, man, that, you know, that's so... Oh, that's man, so, we old school with it. Yeah, we, we from the first and 15th days, you know what I'm saying? The free Chili Mac days, you know? Yes, yes, yes. We really are, man. And so, you know, it's um, Lupe Fiasco, Chicago artist. Um, someone that Miles, you draw a, a significant amount of influence, man. You know, people see you now. You, uh, you, 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 Gotham City's prodigy. You know, you're an activist. You're an esteemed leader of community organizing in Chicago. But what people don't know is that uh, before this, we had hood dreams too. And Miles was supposed to get us out by his rap skills. And you always remind him. You, you did draw very heavily from Lupe. And I think when we first met almost over a decade ago as friends, um, we bonded over our shared, our, our shared uh, passion for, for, for Lupe's music, diving deep into the mixtape series, like you're saying, the first and 15th. And so we've had a, a, quite a long journey with Lupe. Obviously, food and liquor. Food and liquor. 
you know, um, having that come out, um, having his breakout single be day, uh, not daydream being, um, it is daydream. Daydream was his breakout single, I believe. Um, and since then we've had this very interesting trajectory of Lupe's career, almost encompassing every element that comes with being a rap star and a, and a, and a, and a successful rapper, you know, going through an underground success and then going into popular status and then dropping albums that people don't necessarily care too much for that is extremely commercial. And now we're entering into this new phase. And when I think about mature hip hop, it's hard not to appreciate Lupe at the forefront of that. No doubt. No doubt. Mature hip hop and then really pushing hip hop and showing hip hop as an art form. Um, me and Lupe, <clears throat> like I know the dude, he actually did grow up in a house down the street from um, my older brother's crib. I used to always look out to hope I would see him whenever I was over at Daniel's house, man. Shout out to Dan. But I've been, yeah, listening to Lupe for a long time. Um, and like you said, one of the reasons that I've always really appreciated his music um, and he's been, you know, at the forefront of my mind an icon in terms of hip hop is because his music shows how much thought you can convey through hip hop. Right. How many different meanings there can be for a bar, how many different ways there can be to interpret it, how many different ways you can structure a song or a rhyme scheme or incorporate a concept into your music. Um, Lupe's done it a million different ways from songs like Science Project uh, and Switch to songs like Mural, which is an even more recent display of his lyrical ability. Um, to even some of the joints on this, right? Uh, kiosk is a crazy, is a dope, dope concept. Um, so I'm just really appreciative to have more boundary-pushing music from Lupe, um, more hip-hop maturity, as my brother said, and just evidence that the genre and its artists can grow into something really, really, really beautiful. Uh, man, there's there's a lot of standouts on this, but Autobotto is the one that st has stuck in my head. Uh, Autobato, Kiosk, um, there's a few, Seattle. It's, this is a really great project. And for him to be able to put out something that is deep and relatable this late in his career shows that there's no time limit uh, on rappers and their ability. And when you, when you look at the intention behind this, right, the name, the name might throw you off a bit thinking that it might be a, an old, uh, an older rapper taking the drill sound, which we see happen often. It's quite the opposite of that, and I think that speaks towards his intentionality behind so much of his music. The same thing with Miss Mural. Miss Mural is a trilogy in the Mural trilogy. So you have Mural, then you have Mural Junior, and then you have Miss Mural, right? So this is the trilogy. This man has a trilogy of these, um, of these very intricately put. Um, songs that take on a wide range of themes with a very meticulous, uh, a very meticulous um, skill set in order to prove it. If you have not heard Mural, if you have not heard Mural, stop this right now. I don't care what you like. I don't care what music you're into. I don't care if you're into Taylor Swift or whatever. Go listen to Mural because that is one of the best hip hop songs that you'll hear in terms of what it take what it seems like to be able to rap in a way that nobody can rap and that's what mural is and so to see him have that intention carry across i think is super dope same no, thing no. with kiosk yeah same thing with kiosk it's like um take a, a religious take taking a religious take on 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 music 
it's I, I I'm I'm liking the fact that rap can grow past just the young young music. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point about the title, yeah, I was because Lupe can do so many different things, right? Part of me did expect to hear at least a little bit more of a drill sound and him showing, you know, him showcasing his lyrical ability over that. And that's not really what we got. I think drill in this context, I mean, it's it's still talking about I think drill music and and that culture of hip hop and that that pocket um that's really has a high proximity to violence in the culture and what it means, right? And it was tough for me to figure out whether Zion was kind of the world um, or like the hip hop or specifically Chicago. And I think you can interpret it like any great art in a variety of different ways. But what I really pulled from this, and, and he lays it out beautifully on one of the songs where the entire verse is just uh, rappers die too much. Right? Um, or rappers get shot too much. One of those, something to that effect. And that's just the whole verse. Right? And I think that that really just brings home what he was trying to do with this project was to say that you can create something beautiful. Um, and we have with hip hop. And we also have to be conscious of all the ways in which it grows and grows with it. Otherwise, it'll overgrow and suffocate us. Right? Um, beyond our control. This whole album was recorded in three days, 72 hours, and that blows my mind. What? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So I got to... That's I gotta, incredible. The part, the part of me that still has a competitive rapper, you know, uh, that part of me is like, he had to have it written. He had to have a lot of it written beforehand, the concept together, and then just went in the studio with Soundtrack, who I believe produced the whole thing. Um, it was on the boards for the, for the majority of it. Uh, but yeah, man, that's an incredible... It's incredible just like tidbit about this album. You know, I don't really care how long it takes you to make great art if it's great art, but um, Lupe just, again, showing that he's different. He's an alien in this game. And so uh, 15 years later, you know what I mean? I'm still proud to say that Lupe is one of my favorite artists in hip-hop. Uh, and this is one of my favorite albums by him in a, in a good minute. So uh, I'm, real, I'm real happy with this one. Which says a lot because he really has been on a rather consistent run since putting out, um, since putting out, um, before Ted So Youth when he put out since putting out Lasers, you know, because since Lasers people weren't necessarily feeling that too much, but Ted So and Youth came out and that was very very solid, you know. The Droga Slides was also really dope, and then coming to this, um, how I took drill music in Zion, um, if I'm if I'm being interpretive of the cover art and the concept. Uh, the content that's uh, that he speaks of, it's uh, the juxtaposition of the setting, the juxtaposition of um, the if Zion is a, the if Zion is the standard, the norm, the the perfect resemblance, then the drill music would be what is piercing through that and offending it, and that's what I look at when I see this art cover, this album art as well. You have this um, almost pristine yellow background with a very sharp interjection of it right which could be the drill music element and it's the same thing with miss mural miss mural is is telling the story of um hip-hop as being a hip-hop artist but taken from the point of a painter right so taking this one concept of being a painter which is the zion elements of it and then injecting the harsh realities of what it takes to be a hip-hop artist into it um all culminating to 
the all culminating to the 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 zenith of the story where he says i'll just burn my art down i'll just burn it down you know so that that seems to be um that seems to be a theme that's proliferated throughout this album and the reason i be pulling out words like juxtaposition proliferated and zenith is because this is the type of um intention that this brother has when he puts this type of music together so we want to be intentional too in being able to respect how valuable it is man so to me this is this might not be my uh this might not be an album that i i'm rinsing back and forth like that ignorant boogie album but it is an album that i thoroughly appreciate and a hip-hop album that i'd be happy to press play with in front of anybody my family my kid this is that type of hip-hop no doubt man no doubt and what you just said like being proud to play this in front of everybody um when i was in the fifth grade it was my first year in uh, school in the suburbs of Chicago, right? Public school, suburbs, mad white. Um, and I am a hip-hop loving, uh, pants-sagging, afro-having black kid, right? And To this day. To this day. And I'm talking to my music teacher, the music instructor, the per- specifically the, the percussion instructor. Um, and he is adamant that uh, hip-hop is not real music, that it can't, you know, convey certain messages or doesn't. And um, I put together, you know, a little collection of songs, some Nas, um, some uh, KRS-One, some, I think maybe even some Pac, and uh, Lupe, Conflict Diamonds by Lupe Fiasco was one of the songs. And that was the song that my man told me a couple weeks later. No, no, we listened to it in the class and he was like, yeah, all right, all right, maybe you, you, you might have a point. But a couple years later, actually, when my little brother was going to the school and I was back for some play or performance, percussion instructor was there, put me to the side and was like, hey, man, you really changed my perspective on music with that, with that, that, those songs, specifically that Lupe fiasco, that Conflict Diamonds. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lupe. And, and so um, that's from, from what you showed me. And uh, for Lupe to be, you know, the the catalyst for that change and the one that won him over i think really speaks to his his ability and what he contributes to hip-hop um so all that to say don't sleep on chicago man chicago is chicago is kind of in the influence in terms of both like mainstream music and how drill music has taken over mainstream but also some of the most incredible artists we've ever had um have come from chicago so don't sleep on the best coast that midwest coast and uh, drill music in Zion gets a four out of five from me. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna tell you to hold on. I wanted to see what our producer had given drill music in Zion. Let's let's see what our producer is gonna give. Producer, what's your score? If you don't mind, let's let's see. You know, and if we had a drum roll here, that would be absolutely perfect. I wonder if you can put it in a drum roll. I was I'll gonna say brr, but that's something else with drum music. Yeah, yo, four point <laughs> five out of five. Interesting, interesting. Producer gives a four point five out of five. That's interesting. Yeah, yes. yeah. Cannot sleep wow. on Chicago, man. Beyonce's new song just dropped. It's mad housey. House music came from Chicago, right? Like there's 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 a there's an argument to be made that that we are gaining an influence and 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 if you really look at the broad spectrum of what con- Chicago has contributed, especially since like the '90s, um, we up there West Coast, we up there East Coast. So yeah, a little hometown love, baby. Hey, man. You know what it is. Uh, shout out to absolutely everybody for rocking with us this far. This is y'all's favorite part of the show. We know. 
we know this is your favorite part of the show. So be sure to keep letting us know what other things you want us to review. Drop it in the comment section. SoundCloud audience, we see y'all. We see y'all over there. Um, we appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. We're growing this thing brick by brick because we know. Oh, yeah, we know. You could be anywhere in the world, doing anything in the world, with anyone in the world, but you here rocking with us. And we appreciate that so much that you would join us for the celebration of celebrating, the celebration of life, the celebration of how good it feels to be a Chicagoan. Don't it feel good's way? Hey, man. Got it, got it on, on your background. Big facts. You are, you are honorary Chicagoan, man, just like I'm an I'm a honorary uh, Josie man, you know? <laughs> and uh, this is, and y'all are, y'all are honorary, all that too. Um, make sure that you eat something delicious, hug somebody you love, Comment, tell us your favorite Lupe song or your favorite joint from the album. Like, subscribe, and uh, get on out of here. Gone. Peace. Water. We gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard?